It's been many years since I've preached from this chapter in this church. Um, but I'm going to preach to you today from the book of Acts, the 20th chapter. I preached from this chapter for a specific reason a couple of months ago on a Sunday night. But from this particular story that I'm going to preach to you today, it's been a long time. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 You'll remember this first verse. This is where I started uh, a few weeks ago. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and he continued his speech until midnight. So the breakdown English version of this is it was Sunday night. Paul ate bread. And then because he was full, he didn't think anybody else was hungry. So he preached all night long. That's why I don't eat breakfast on Sunday mornings. Because <laughs> if I ever get up here full on Sunday morning, I don't care if you have lunch. <laughs> Amen. Can I tell you, I have good news for you. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I hope you're hungry for the word. There were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was, it's hard for me to say this, as he was long-winded, he sunk down with sleep. My papa Bingham said he slaunched. He slaunched down. He sunk down with sleep. And then he fell down from the third story, from the third loft. He fell out of the window that he was sleeping in, and they took him up for dead. Verse 10, Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him, he said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. And when he was therefore come up again, and had broken bread, and had eaten, and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. They brought the young man alive, and were not a little comforted. Amen? Um, I'm going to preach to you today a simple title of I've preached this before. I asked my wife during worship. I said, I don't, I don't know if I've ever preached this title in this church or not. But I'm going to preach to you today. Uh, it's time to get out of the window. It's time to get out of the window. Hey, man, look at your neighbor this morning and tell him, get out of the window. Hey Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. My wife is so precious because... I preach so so much that sometimes I'll say, did I preach such and such at somebody's church? And I may not even be home, but she'll go back through all of her notes. Even when she doesn't travel with me, she'll sign on to the webcast, and she keeps notes what I preach places. So my point is this morning, um, she's a good record keeper, and so is your wife. 
Don't ever forget. They're good record keepers. Amen. This story is so scary to me. And I'm going to tell you why. This is a powerful move of God that's transpiring. It had to be powerful for Paul to preach until midnight. I know some people think preachers only preach long because they like to preach long. I know Friday night I preached almost an hour here on Friday night. And it wasn't because I like to hear myself. It's because I was pushing against something until it broke. And when it finally broke, we had a move of God in this altar. There were children and young people and students all across the front of this church praying in this altar. No music, no hype, no singing, no beat of the drum. The Holy Ghost was just moving in this place. And uh, I want God to keep this church in a place where we don't have to be hyped up to have a move of God. I don't ever want to quit aisle running. I don't ever want to quit dancing, shouting. I don't mind still being called a holy roller every now and then. Come on now. We ought to live up to our name. They used to call us holy rollers. Now I guess some of us, they could just call us holy gawkers. I don't know, just sit and stare and watch somebody else get blessed. But you know, I made up my mind this morning. I'm not going to watch you get blessed. I'm going to get blessed today. I I didn't just come here to see somebody else get blessed. I came here today to to get blessed, and I came to be a blessing. I came not to just watch you worship, but I came to worship. I didn't just come here today to see how pretty you look, and you look good. But I came here to touch the hem of his garment. Amen. I believe you can be made whole before you leave here today. Uh, I'm going to get into why this is scary, but... I just want to touch this, and then I've got to lay some groundwork for you before we finish today. So I'm going to get stuck in my introduction for just a little bit here, and who knows, by about 2 or 3 o'clock, we may be out of here today. But uh, I I just want to say this for for our guest. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, This is scary to me, that you can be in a move of God with the most powerful preacher in the New Testament and fall asleep sitting in the window. How powerful, and this is going to sound negative, but don't take it negative. How powerful would church have to be for God to keep your attention? I used to say things like this. I promise you if the Apostle Paul himself was preaching what I preached this morning, people wouldn't get it. I would say things like this. I swear if Jesus Christ himself would have preached that today, they wouldn't have received it. And then I got in the Bible, and I realized Jesus told 500 on the mountain to go wait for the promise. When they got to the upper room, there was 120 of them left. That means between the inspiration of what he said and the final work of what he was trying to tell them to do, 380 people weren't inspired anymore. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? inspiration usually disappears about the time the perspiration disappears off the preacher we can get inspired and sometimes we are more hungry for inspiration than we are for activation Woo-hoo. it's a little tight on sunday morning but we're going to get there i said sometimes we are more hungry for inspiration than we are activation How many of you could say that in your lifetime you've heard at least a hundred sermons? 
Do you really in your heart believe that after a hundred sermons, you haven't heard enough to be inspired? Do you understand how inspiring the Word of God is? I like to tell people when they ask me about preaching, they're like, man, like, do you get sick of it? I like to tell people, I'm a connoisseur of preaching. I love preachers. I like to listen to preachers. I, I, I love to get old tapes. I like to get CDs. I like to download podcasts. I like to drive down the road on trips and waste time going down the road listening to preachers. I love preaching. Why? Because you can't be saved without a preacher. I love preaching. But I'm going to preach to you a little bit about my life. And if you can find something in common with my life, then we'll just let that fall where it may. But I want to tell you that in my life, I often find myself looking for more inspiration when really what God is wanting from me is activation in what I've already been inspired to do. I have had times in my life where I've gone to prayer and said, God, I'm going to this conference or I'm going to this revival or I'm going to this meeting tonight because I need a fresh word. I'm going because I want to hear a word from God. And 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 the Lord, he just deals with me a little bit different. But I got to seeking the Lord one day for a fresh word. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord ask me this question. Why do you need a fresh word when you haven't acted on the last word that I gave you? We spend thousands of dollars to take trips uh, to go hear preachers preach only to be inspired so we can sit down over some good sweet tea and a cold cut sandwich and say, man, wasn't that fantastic preaching? Nobody loves preaching in this house any more than I do, but I've got a hunger in my heart right now. I've been telling God, I don't want you to just inspire me. God, I don't want you to just send me somewhere where I can hear another word that gives me goosebumps. I thank God for preachers that'll dig their face in the carpet and they'll seek God for a word. But I'm not here for chill bumps this morning. I'm not here to just feel good. I'm here today to get in alignment with what God has been saying about my life. I, I'm, I really... I know this may sound counterproductive because as a preacher, you want to inspire people. You really do. You, you want to be an inspiration to people. But I want to show you biblically how, how long-lasting inspiration is. The word of the Lord said that Paul was on the way to what some would say was his demise, his court case. And he ends up standing before King Agrippa. And he lays the word out before him. He talks to him about Jesus. And he, he talks to him about the things that he's been through. And Agrippa was inspired. He was extremely inspired. So much so that Agrippa looked at the apostle Paul. And he said to him, Thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. That was so inspirational that it almost worked on me. Like, how much inspiration does it take? Is this all right with everybody? How much inspiration does it take for Pastor St. Clair to move me from inspiration to activation? 
What would the preacher have to say, Agrippa, to move you from almost to the confidence of knowing that this is the real thing? I said this Friday night while I was preaching. If you were here, just act like you've never heard it. But I mean this sincerely. My wife and I, in December, we will have been married 21 years. And this last, this last 20, that was, a, I mean, that was kind of a big deal for us, you know, 20 years. And so I was extremely romantic. And I took her with me to preach somewhere. I did. Now, on the way, I did. She'll, maybe she can give me a little slack. On the way to preach, we took two days and just went to a hotel and relaxed. And, and ate good food and all that. But 20 years, that's a long time. And I'm thankful to have a precious wife of 20 years. Amen. She's one of the hardest working people I've ever seen in my life. But I want to tell you something about marriage, okay? We've been married for almost 21 years. And if I'm still trying to decide after 21 years... That she's still the one? You understand what I'm saying? I made up my mind when I said I do. She's the one. I'm not still trying to decide 21 years later. Is her, I mean, is this it? Is this what I really want for my life? I mean, honestly, you know. The night we got engaged, I had already made up in my mind that when we got engaged, like, I was done. I was off the market. I wasn't dating anymore. I, didn't, I never dated anybody else. I ain't never held another woman's hand except for my mother and my daughters and my grandmother. I, I, I've never, ever, since the day that my wife and I got engaged, I have never engaged in any way romantically with another woman ever in my life. Because I'm not still trying to figure out if I want to be committed to her. But how many folks will live for God for 21 years? And after 21 years, they're still trying to figure out if he's the one or not. We've lived for God for a long time, but we're still on the air. I'm not sure. I'm not totally convinced I believe that. I'm not totally convinced that that's necessary. How long do we have to live for God before we finally say, I love him so much. I'm taking myself off the market. I don't want anybody else. I don't want to be with anybody else. I don't want to love anybody else. I'm not looking for new doctrine. I'm not looking for new baptism. I love Jesus. I love him. When you you love him, your language changes. Woo-wee. I said when you love him, your language changes. Because when you love him and people look at you and talk about why you do the things of God and why you keep commandments of God in your life, your response is never because that's what my church teaches. Why do you believe in Jesus name baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost Well, because my pastor preaches that you're not married to this when you get convinced that this is not just a way come on preach to me now 
I said, when we get convinced that this is not just a way, this is the way. There's not multiple ways to God. I don't care what they promote in this world. You don't find your own path to God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. As a matter of fact, he went on to say in John 10, he said, I am the door, and if any man comes in any other way, he is a thief and a robber. I want to tell you today, I'm not here to just promote a way. I'm here to tell you, he is the way. He is the way. Now, in the scripture today, we read about a man seated in the window. Now, I don't have a whole, whole lot of time today because Popeye's chicken's calling some of your names. I wonder how many of you just made up in your mind right now. That does sound pretty good. There's going to be a line so long. You're going to be wrapped around steak and shake. <laughs> Sounds good, don't it? It's the will of God. Now, in the scripture, when we read, everybody with me? I know you're crunching right now. You got that spicy or original, right? So, in the scripture, when we read about windows, how many of you know what I'm saying when I talk about types and shadows? Okay? It's things that are symbolic for other things. So when we say, for instance, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and when we see him as a lamb in Daniel and in Revelation, it doesn't literally mean that he is a lamb. Okay? I mean, is there anybody here today, I just want to be sure, that would, that, that would disagree with me, that Jesus did not walk around on all fours with white curly hair. He, he didn't walk around bad, 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 you know, that, no. But he was the Lamb of God. So you understand what I'm saying? It's type and shadow. The line of the tribe of Judah. He doesn't walk around with this big old mane walking on all fours. I know people think you can identify as whatever you want to in this society. Jesus did not identify as a cat. Come on. He's the line of the tribe of Judah. But he was God manifest in the flesh. That's what he was. So when we look at types and shadows, we read things and we see principles in the scripture. And when we read about windows in the scripture, the shadow, the type, the, the, the type that we're seeing, it is symbolic of a season of opportunity. Now I'm going to give you a couple ideas of what I'm saying so you can stay with me. I don't want to make you snore in Greek and dream in Hebrew, but just stay with me. When the man of God comes riding in and it's time for Jezebel to meet her demise. Jehu says this out loud. He said, who is with me? Right? And Jezebel is standing in a window. Now, you guys are preaching so good. I fear my job might be in trouble today. She's standing in a window. Why, why does the Lord, we know Jezebel so prophetic because she's even mentioned in Revelation in the New Testament in time church. Why does the Lord let Jezebel appear in a window? Why doesn't Jezebel appear 
standing out in the front yard and be like, well, here I am. Because the window is prophetically representing the window of time that it's time for you to deal with this issue. Everybody got it? Are, are, are you with me? He looks up. There she is in the window. What's God saying to Jehu? This is your season. This is the window. Anybody here ever heard him say window of opportunity? This is the window of opportunity. You see that? That's what you've been coming against. But here's your window. And he asked a question. He said, who is with me? And the Bible said that two or three. I don't know why it said that. But it said that two or three eunuchs stepped up to the window. Are you with me? There's a woman there standing in the window of opportunity. And two or three eunuchs step up to the window when they heard the voice of the prophet. Now, there's so much to this, y'all. What was a eunuch? Well, in an adult way of saying this today, because we have young ears in here, these were men that had castrated, been castrated to where uh, they would never be sexually active. They couldn't be. They were eunuchs. Everybody understands what I'm saying. I don't have to go too deep with this today. They were men that we understand in types and shadows that Jezebel is a seducing spirit. Man, I'm walking in something right here. She was a seducer of men. The way that she painted herself up, the way that she made herself look, the Bible lets us know very plainly, she had a seducing spirit about her. She was manipulative. She was a seducer. I believe that she was a very sexual woman. But the Bible said that when the window of opportunity was open, that two or three eunuchs are who answered the call of the prophet and stepped to the window. Because before the window was open, their flesh had been prepared for the window moment. That when the window comes, the time of opportunity is here. I've already had cut away from my life what would cause that spirit to be appealing to me. I'm saying to you right now, and I want to keep this as pure as I can. Those men did not become eunuchs when the call was made. They became eunuchs before the window was open. They decided before the time ever came of temptation. I won't have to worry about temptation if I've conquered that spirit in my life. I don't know what I've jumped off in here this morning, but I'm in the Holy Ghost. I feel it. And everything I feel, I feel that old spirit pushing back against me right now. So I'm just going to preach till this thing falls to the ground. I want to tell you, some of us have got to learn the power of self-discipline and self-control before we get to the window. Because God is about to open up a season and a window for the church of the living God. And if we're not prepared for the revival that God wants to pour out, I wonder how many any windows we've missed because we weren't prepared for the moment. Lord, can I walk on in this for a minute? You know, the prophetic is very interesting because 
And, and I want to walk careful. I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying. But I've seen men that were labeled false prophets because what they prophesied didn't come to pass. To be fair, if somebody's lying on God, they're a false prophet. But the prophetic is very interesting. Because when prophetic words come, they often come with an if. You understand what I'm saying? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then, somebody say then. What's then? Then is when the if is taken care of. If you'll do this, God will do this, and that's a prophetic word. So let me give you, let, let me just give you an idea. If everybody likes to hear prophecies on money, that's what everybody like. Woo! I'm gonna get praise God. Whoa! I'm getting me a Benz. Woo! Everybody loves. They don't even want prophets that prophesy against sin. They just want prophets that prophesy about money. Everybody likes it. And I've, I've had people prophesy things to me before about finances in my life and in this church. I've had prophecies come true. But let me say this. Let me just use myself. If a man of God comes to me and says, I prophesy that the blessings of the Lord are coming to you in a financial way. That God wants to prosper you. How many of you would like to have that? Wouldn't that be good? Amen. I'm not prophesying so. But then I go back to my wife and I say, well, babe. God said he was going to bless us financially. So I'm going to stop paying my tithe. You do realize when I'm flat busted and broke, he's not a false prophet. He's not a false prophet because God didn't bless me financially. God didn't bless me financially because I didn't walk in God's financial plan. God can't send a prophet to prophesy to you and say God wants to heal your marriage and then you go home and talk to your wife like dirt and then wonder why your marriage isn't healed. Woo, did y'all hear that? Come on, somebody. Brother Danny, it's so quiet in here I could hear a rat licking ice. It's quiet. You, you can't beg and plead God heal my family and then somebody say the Lord has heard your prayer and then you take on so much overtime at work that you're never home with your family and then say God that man's a false prophet because my family's falling apart the man is not a false prophet we've got to get wisdom and discernment of what matters the most in our lives I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost. I know I am. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. We've got to learn the power of understanding that when God says he's going to do something in our lives, he's requiring something of us. Man, I feel this here this morning. God wants to bless you with a new job. So the first job that's offered us is one that makes us miss two-thirds of all church services. We're like, that must be the one God's blessed me with. No, use wisdom. Come on, somebody. What, I, what are you saying, Pastor? If a man don't work, he don't eat. I understand that. But I also understand this. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
All these things will be added unto you. What are you saying, Pastor? Let me break it down for you. If it's keeping you from the things that matter the most, your priorities are out of alignment. And when God wants to bless you, if you're not ready, when the window comes by, you're going to miss the window of opportunity. I'm telling you right now, if I've ever felt it, I feel it today. That we are so close to the window of the coming of the Lord Jesus. The window is just about ready to open. And I'm telling you, I may have missed some windows of blessing in my life, but that's one window of opportunity you cannot afford to miss we're over here talking about the coming of the Lord when we do we're talking about a window talking about a season now this is a quick window Bible said it's so quick that the window appears and disappears in a moment in the twinkling of an eye what are you going to do when the prophetic call comes forward and said, hey, who's with me? And you step up to that window and look at her and say, man, I just don't think I'm ready to throw that out. If you got a secret deal going with Jezebel behind closed doors, you're not going to be ready to throw her down when the window comes. Son, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I don't know why, I really don't know why the Lord did this this morning. But my wife could tell you what time the Lord changed the word that's in my heart. I'm reaching for somebody as hard as I've ever reached. I feel that grit in the Holy Ghost this morning that's trying to reach down in a, in a, in a, in a, in a dark place, in the miry clay, as David said, in a terrible pit. I feel that terrible pit anointing in here today that God is about to reach down to somebody and pick you up out of that pit and reestablish your going. Can I prophesy in the Holy Ghost today and tell you that there are some in this room that have gotten further from God than you ever dreamed that you would get but there is an open window here today where the mercy of God is being extended in this house I'm reaching for you today it's time to respond oh God come on let's just love the Lord for a minute right here I feel that deep digging move of the Holy Ghost trying to work in here right now. Uh. <laughs> oh. Hallelujah, 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 Lord have mercy. How many prayers have we prayed? God, bring my backslidden children home. But when the window of opportunity comes for God to bring our backslidden children home, we're not in church that Sunday. Come on, if you know my heart, you know I'm not throwing darts at anybody. I, I, I just feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. God is reaching down in here. Woo! Man, it's so overwhelming. It about takes my breath this morning. I feel it, Brother Felix. I feel it. 
God is reaching for somebody in this house today. Listen, there is a window. There is a window that God has presented. I'm speaking this in the Holy Ghost right now. That God has given somebody a window in this place today that is unlike any window you've ever had in your life. I know you may have walked with God in other seasons, but this is a window and you write it down. This season will never come again to you. Where you are right now, God is calling you to respond. God is calling you to move. God is calling you to a deeper place right now than you've ever been before. It's time to recognize the window. So the Bible said that there was a window in this upper chamber on Sunday night while the man of God was preaching. And the Bible said that there was a man named Eutychus who sat in the window. There's too many folks in the 21st century that are spending their time in the house of the Lord Sitting in windows. I remember when we built this building. They wanted to put windows across the top of the church to look good from the outside. But like three of them were going to be hidden behind this wall. I said, why are we putting windows up there? They're like, mean you don't want natural light? I'm like, no, I don't want one goofy looking window over there. With just a little bit of light coming and all the rest of them being hit. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm not preaching about sitting in windows. We don't have any in here. Brother McLean, you remember when we used to get hot on Sunday nights in the old building? We'd open up them windows, get the old window open. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. Anybody here living on the hallelujah side? We'd open up them windows and we didn't get any quieter because the window was open. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but if you're sitting in a fiery hot move of God, just imagine hearing Paul preach. What in the world was he saying that was so powerful that he preached until midnight and wasn't done? He wasn't like, he didn't lie to him like most preachers and say, I'm coming to a close. He was, he was working it, man. He was going after it. It's midnight, and he's just getting cranked up. And there's this joker sitting in this window of opportunity while the man of God is preaching. And he's sitting in the window. It's not recorded, but I can tell you what he was thinking because window dwellers are all the same. He's sitting in the window saying, mm, I don't know if I fully agree with that. He's sitting in the window saying, ah... I don't know if that's necessary. He's piled up in this window and he's saying, man, that guy preaches just a little hard for my liking. His belief system is just a little too strict for me. But do you know what happens in your mind when you constantly debate against the scripture and the word of God and the man of God? It's in your Bible. The scripture said he became sleepy. You know what happens? You get weary when you start wrestling God. He's sitting in a window of opportunity with the great apostle Paul. And he could have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy 
Holy Ghost. But he's sitting in a window saying, I don't know if that's necessary or not. But after a while, he got so weary in his flesh with fighting the word of God that the Bible said he fell asleep in the window and he slid down. Can I tell you, it's a slippery slope in the window. Once you get weary of fighting, it won't be long until you start sliding down. And the Bible said that when he slid down, I could hear my papa saying, when he, when he slouched down, the Bible said that he fell out of the window. Three stories. Three stories. I don't know how good they built them back then. Here, that's about 30 feet. 30 feet. And the church is in panic. You know why they're in panic? Can I preach to you? I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you why they were in panic. They didn't have to be. But they were in panic because Eutychus was sitting in a window. And people that understand this and have been around the church for any time at all, they know one thing. When people fall out of windows, y'all ready for this preaching right here? When people fall out of windows, they never fall in the church. They always fall out of the church. And when he fell out of the church, everybody was worried that his story was over. Everybody was worried that the last appointment he had with God had just been cut short because he wouldn't get out of the window. Hey, I want to tell somebody here today, I haven't preached like this in a long time, but you don't ever know when's going to be the last service you walk into the house of God. Wish I, I wish I had time to go tell you the full story because it's unreal, but it's not my story. Brother, uh, brother, uh, brother J.J. Bourne told the story. He's a prophet of the Lord. He told the story about this young man. He was preaching a meeting. And this young man came up and started making fun of the Holy Ghost, making fun of Brother Bourne and making fun of what God was doing. I, I won't go into the full detail, but he was just, he was being horrible. And Brother Bourne turned and looked at him and he prophesied to him and he said, by this time, Tomorrow, your head is going to roll. And that boy made fun of the Holy Ghost and turned and walked out of that church. And the next day, that boy was driving down the road that that church was on. And got in a collision on that same road. And he started to go out the window of his car, decapitated him. And they said that young man's head rolled through the yard of that church and rolled right up to the front step of that church. Because I got time to make fun of the prophetic right now. I got time to do whatever I want to do. I got time to say whatever I want to say. I got time to live however I want to live. I'm telling you there is a window that's been opened here today. Can I tell you that 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 spirit of pride that you've carried in your back pocket is going to do nothing but cause you heartache. It's time today to humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and let God reach down into that hardened heart of stone and let him heal you today. Oh, come on, let's lift our hands. I'm digging right now. Shh. 
<laughs> You've heard me tell the story of the woman who came in on Wednesday night. She told her pastor, she said, he, was, he stepped to the pulpit, get ready to start. And she walked up to the pulpit before he greeted the congregation. She said, I'm leaving. He said, do what? He, she said, I'm leaving. He said, no, don't say that. She said, you listen to me. She said, I'm leaving this church and I will never be back again. He said, sister, after all these years, you've been here 30 years. He said, let's just, just wait till church is over. Let's talk. She said, you heard me. I'm walking out and I'll never be back again. They said, three days later, they rolled her casket down the middle aisle of the church. She said she'd never be back to again because when she left the house of the Lord that night, she was prophesying over herself, I'll never be back here again. Could you imagine living for God for 30 years and you missed your appointment by three days? Does anybody else feel what I feel in here right now? I was praying in the prayer room this morning, just began to weep. I didn't know who all was going to be here, but I'm telling you, God knew who was going to be here. And there's somebody that walked into this house today, and I'm just willing to take this risk because I love you that much. I'm telling you, I'm willing to take the risk that somebody is either going to love me for preaching what I'm preaching or get ticked off that I said it when they came. So I'm just going to take the risk today and I'm going to reach for your soul with everything that's in me right now and tell you that it's time to get out of the window. It's time to climb out of the window. You don't know how many more opportunities that God is going to give you. Pastor, I could always come back tonight. You don't know that. I plead the blood of Jesus and I pray that nothing happens and I'm not here to make you afraid but I'm just saying to you there is no time like the present to get out of the window and let God work in you I just want us to close our eyes right now I feel I feel there's a shift coming in this room right now I feel that shift coming listen I want you to I want you to search your own heart right now and I don't want you to worry about what one other person's doing in this place. But I, I want you to just ask yourself right now, within your own heart, right now, that if today was the day that the Lord were to make it, were to come back, would you make it? And if not, would it be worth being lost over what you're harboring in your spirit right now? And as you begin to answer these questions, I'm not, I'm not going to give some big altar call today, but I'm just telling you. That this altar is open. What, Pastor, what do I have to do to get out of the window? This is a sign of full surrender. That's all this is. It's a sign of surrender. If you're in a place today where you've half-heartedly surrendered to God, but you know that He's calling you to a deeper place, nobody's watching you right now, nobody's judging you right now, but the first step to getting out of that window is to make your way to an altar of repentance today and let the Spirit of God... Let the Spirit of God begin to heal your heart and mind. Come on. Don't be counting the cost in here today. Don't be counting the cost and saying, Lord, I don't want to pay that much. Lord, this is too much for me to walk that road. Listen, quit counting the cost and just get out of the window. Come on into the house of God this morning and let God heal you. Come on, Eutychus. It's time to get out. It's time to get out. Woo!
Holy Ghost. There ought to be a cry heard in this congregation right now. If you're where you need to be, you ought to be crying out for somebody that's not right now. But before I prayed for anybody else, I'd be sure that my heart was right with God. Before I called one more of my children before God today, I'd ask the Holy Ghost to search my heart. Oh, there's such a deep move in this place right now. God, we don't want to miss this window. Oh, God, we don't want to miss this window. Yes, I know we want God to touch your husband or your wife. Yes, I know we want God to touch your kids. But above all else today, I must be saved. I must be saved. I must be saved. Pastor St. Clair, I never dreamed that I'd be where I'm at right now. I never dreamed that I would feel this far from God. Come on, let the Holy Ghost reach you where you are. You're not too far. That's a lie from the pits of hell today. You are not too far. That God can't reach you where you are right now. Just reach out and touch Him as He's passing by. Would you do that? Woo, Holy Ghost. Come on, these altars ought to be filled right now. Woo. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh.